0: Lord bless you guys. We just had worship together here. It's Sunday and I hope that you are well and healthy and trust in the Lord. We are in 1 Kings chapter 17. Been in here for a couple weeks now. As this continues here, we're gonna continue to see what the Lord gives to us. I have a message from the Lord for you today. I know it's gonna encourage you. And I'm finding that the word of God is so timely. Let's thank God for the text that we're gonna read, 1 Kings 17. I'm going to read verses uh, 7 through 16, and then I'm going to jump right in. Father, I thank you this morning that you are our God. In times of uh, trouble, in times of crisis, you are a very present help. And God, we feel your presence. The Holy Spirit, we feel your presence. And thank you for this church body, Lord, that is staying faithful. And I'm praying, Lord, that we continue to stay in the word. Holy Spirit, open this up to us and encourage us. Strengthen our inner man this morning. I pray it all in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. So here we go, 1 Kings chapter 17. We've been looking at Elijah here. Elijah prophesied to Ahab and Jezebel that there would be no rain in the land. They didn't like that. He's running for his life. He he was instructed by the Lord to go hide by the brook Cherith, and God supplied food for him there. He let the ravens bring him bread and bring him meat twice a day. He had water to drink. Uh, things are shifting here, and we see Elijah coming to uh, a, a, a kind of a change in the midst of his crisis let me i'm going to start in verse one here and read all the way through the beginning of 13 now elisha the tishbite who was of the settlers of gilead said to ahab as the lord the god of israel lives before whom i stand surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook and I have commanded ravens to to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. Verse seven, our new material It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he also, he arose and went up to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, he beheld a widow and she was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please get me a little water in a jar that I might drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear. And let's stop right there. We're talking about finding God's provision in crisis, and we've been through two parts in this series here as it unfolds. This is part three today. We see Elijah, God's man. He prophesies. He gets kind of chased out of town, running, kind of hiding from Ahab and Jezebel. God leads him. His provision at the brook and, and the ravens that God had so miraculously provided for him dries up. So what does he do? He waits uh, for the Lord to speak again. And this is important as we're in a time where we need to hear the voice of God and we need to be able to sort uh, through information and, and find out what we should do, what we shouldn't do. There's so much commu- uh, confusing information out there right now that if you immerse yourself in it, you don't know whether to wash your hands, wear gloves, wear a, a spacesuit. I mean, it's confusing. So what do we do? We listen for the voice of the Lord and we let the Holy Spirit guide us. He listens, God speaks again. In verse nine, God tells him go to Zarephath and you'll find a widow there and she'll provide for you. In verse 10, what does he do? He hears the word of the Lord, he mixes it with faith and he's obedient. He goes to Zarephath and he finds the widow. So there's a pattern there I want you to get. I've been pointing it out. We listen for the voice of the Lord. We have to be able to hear him. And then when he speaks, we mix what he says with obedience, and then we find the provision of God. In this situation here, we're seeing a season change in the middle of Elijah's crisis. Things are about to change here, but he does what the Lord tells him to do. He goes to this next place, and I want you to see something. Things shift now, and and there's a shift in his situation. It goes from a short-term crisis to a prolonged crisis. And that's what I want you to get today. He was there by the brook. He had the ravens coming. Oh, how long are we going to be here, God? We're going to just see how this goes. Now there's a season change. There's a shift. We go from the short term to the prolonged. Now listen, in a prolonged crisis, and in many ways that's what we're in right now, Well, this is going a little longer than we had hoped. Can anyone say Amen. And so we're, we're in this thing now and we're like, God, God, where's the end? Is it in sight? So that short-term mindset of, all right, let me just get in order and, and see what I can do here. And let's, let's get some balance. And now we move from that into this thing is going to last a little bit. So God, what's the word of the Lord for us? Now listen, in a prolonged crisis, it requires a different mindset and a different skill set to survive than a short-term crisis does. And here's why. Because you can't run a marathon like a sprint. Amen? You can't run a marathon like a sprint. Well, I can run the sprint, but now, you know, this is going to take longer than a sprint, so what do I do? We have to get that marathon mentality. Why? Because you can't run a marathon like a sprint. A prolonged crisis forces us to face off with some new giants. And there are three giants in the text that we just read, and I want to point them out to you because they're giants that we're going to have to face as this goes on. In fact, I'm trusting by the Holy Spirit. Many of us have faced them this week. And so this is going to be a time of refreshing and understanding for us so that we can knock down some giants and stay in the Lord's victory. Amen? The first giant we're going to face is this, the giant of disappointment. Say disappointment. Disappointment disappointment is a giant. Why? Because disappointment many times seems bigger than us, bigger than life, and it has the ability to, to knock us down, to, to question our faith, and to make us lose our balance. Some days, you know, uh, when things are not going right, all of us, if we've walked with the Lord for any period of time, there are some days where we look up at heaven. Come on, let's just be honest now and go, God, are you kidding me? Have you ever been there? Come on. I mean, you just, this isn't what I planned. This isn't what I read in the scripture. This never happened to anybody else. Why am I going through this, God? Why is this happening? Or you might look at the situation we're in now, and you look up at heaven and go, God, are you kidding me? Wow. Disappointment can come crashing in when we look up at heaven and we just don't understand. And it seems like, you know, that this is the exact opposite of what we expected God to do. Now, while we're being honest, uh, there are many times where all of us have looked up at heaven and thought, God, are you making this more difficult than it needs to be? Come on. Have you ever been through situations in life and go, man, that could have been easier, Lord, if, you know, if you would have did X, Y, and Z, but God didn't do X, Y, and Z. He did, and it almost seems like God in heaven made it a little bit more difficult than it needed to be. Now, if we're being honest and if we're talking about disappointment, we got to be honest about this. The truth is that, yes, sometimes God does make things a little bit more difficult than they have to be. Now, here's why. It's real quiet. I always say this. There's only a handful of people here, but even the few people are quiet to the point where the oxygen just got sucked out of the room. You mean God makes things difficult sometimes? Sometimes God does make it a little bit more difficult than it has to be, and here's why. Because the quick fix and the easy solution that removes the pain and the problem instantly doesn't expose my sin. The quick fix that removes the pain and the problem instantly, doesn't bring out my flaws, doesn't show me where I'm weak, doesn't expose my blind spots. Come on, think about that. You see, when we get into a mess and we get out of it just as quickly as we've gotten into it, we don't seem to learn anything. You know, the quick fix doesn't do any of those things. Neither does it bring us to repentance, how many times do we, you know we get in trouble? We get out of trouble. And we're like, "Woo! I'm glad I got out of trouble. But did we repent of what got us into trouble? Did we repent of the pattern that got us into the mess in the first place? If not, guess what? We're probably going to visit it again. So sometimes God doesn't remove the pain and the problem quickly because he's trying to build our faith and produce maturity in us. While we're in crisis, church, realize God is up to something in His people. You might look at this and go, "There's no rhyme or reason to it." You might look up in heaven and go, "Are you kidding me?" But the truth is, God is in control, and He's using the pressure of this crisis to refine His people, so that we will be mature, so that we'll be prepared for the bridegroom, so that we will look inside and bring our hearts before the Lord and say, "God, where do I need to change? Where do I need to stretch? Where do?" I need to repent help us Lord so you get to this place where it doesn't go your way and and we're a little confused and maybe disappointment seems to set in Elijah goes from his place of provision now it was no you know a uh, great place for him to be out there by the brook, you know, getting fed by ravens. Ravens are unclean birds. I mean, think about that. You, you got, you got birds that eat dead things bringing your food to you. I mean, some people are picky eaters. I don't know. He seemed to, he seemed to eat what they gave him. So it's not a great position that he's in there, but he's surviving. It's, it's okay. Now the shift is made and he goes to find this widow in Zarephath. Now in verse 10 and 11, Elijah first sees the widow that God prepared for him. And we're talking about disappointment now, but look at this, he sees her and she's gathering sticks. Now, uh, some of us, you know, we think, oh, yard work, not yard work, she's gathering sticks. As soon as he saw her gathering sticks, he thought that means fire and fire means dinner. I've arrived at the perfect time, amen? Some people got that timing, right, Pastor Mike? you, You know, we arrive right when the food hits the table. Elijah was like, man, praise the Lord. I timed it just right. He sees the lady and he says, you know what? Could you bring me a drink? So we're gonna start off with drinks. And then he says, how about an appetizer? Can you bring me a little bread? So he sends her, you know, for the drink. And then he says about the bread and she begins, uh, you know, verse 12 is where the bomb drops. She says, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Now think about that. This is my place of provision. Provision and we're down to water, this is my place of provision, and you have no bread? Are you kidding me? I didn't ask for much. I asked for bread and water, and we're out of bread. So you you might think, this is the place where disappointment could come crashing in, even on a prophet of God, even on a man of God. No bread? So, I mean, think about it. If that was you in that spot, would we look up at heaven? God, are you kidding me? You know, you've led me to this woman here. You led me to this no-bread-having lady, and she's going to provide for me? You know, we can try and look holy or we can try and remove ourselves from the situation. But the truth of us, the truth is most of us would be disappointed at that point and disappointment would come crashing in, you know, and think about what Elijah could have said uh, to the Lord, because this is what we do many times when we're disappointed with the way things go, and we, we think God should have done it differently, he could have said, you know, I'm out here risking my neck, I'm prophesying for you, I'm out here risking my neck, and you send me to, to the no bread lady, that's where you send me, he could have said, you know what, I bet you Ahab and Jezebel are eating good tonight, I bet you they have bread, come on, Let's just be real about the way our flesh rolls, right? You send me here, no bread. My enemies are eating good tonight. How how about this? Is it too late to go back to the brook? Can we go back to the Ravens? You know, Uber Eats. Can they bring me, you know, keep bringing me my food? No. I mean, all of these things would race through our minds if we were in that situation. But you know what? We need to learn to be like Elijah. He says none of that. He doesn't complain. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't get angry at God. He doesn't question his faith. He doesn't let disappointment overtake him, but he lets it roll off his back. Come on. If you're dealing with disappointment right now, don't let it overtake you. Don't let the enemy rehearse things in your mind. Don't get an adversarial attitude towards the Lord. He's your provider. He loves you. He's gonna take care of you. But let that disappointment roll off your back. Amen? So he doesn't get angry. He, he doesn't, you know get accusatory with the Lord he deals with disappointment and what does he do he faces the reality of a situation and this is what we need to learn to do not deny our situation not get old hyped up in super faith and and say this isn't happening or be in denial no but we we accept the reality of our situation and immediately from that place of reality we begin to inject our faith into the situation so that the situation will change come on say amen so we need to let our faith go and he does. He doesn't allow disappointment to overtake him and neither should we. There was a lot there in that scenario. You know, he must've been excited. You almost feel a little bit sorry for the guy. You know, I'm getting fed by these unclean ravens. Yet here's this lady, she's making a fire. Oh, maybe it's gonna be a real nice meal. No bread disappointment doesn't overtake him. He faces that giant and he deals with it. And we're gonna have to deal with that giant too. Wherever you're at right now at this moment, if you're disappointed, listen to me, your God is faithful. Don't lose heart. Don't look at the situation and allow it to overwhelm you. Admit the reality of it, but begin to release your faith into it by speaking the the truth that your God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. Come on, that we serve Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The second giant we're going to face in crisis is this. We face the giant of disappointment. The second giant is the giant of lack. Say lack. Lack. This woman is not in a place of prosperity. She's not in a place of abundance. She's in a place of lack. Now, look at this poor woman. In verse 12, she basically says, I have a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. Think about that those of you who cook, what could you really make with a handful of flour and a little bit of oil? Not too much. But she's she's in a bad place here. This poor woman's lack is to the point where she's destitute. In fact, look what it's boiled down to for her and her boy. They've got a handful and they've got a little, and that's all they have. And she says, I'm basically, hey, buddy, you know, good to see you. Hope you like your water, uh, but we don't have any bread. In fact, I'm going to cook what little I have. I'm going to take my lack. I'm going to portion it out. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. Wow. What a what a tough situation for this poor woman and her boy. Yet God injects the prophet into the situation. Praise God. Another mouth to feed. Hey, do you got any friends in the bushes? Maybe we could, you know, set the table. No. I mean, this is lack to the point of destitution. And I want I want to say something to you. Don't ever be intimidated by the appearance of lack. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Don't ever be intimidated by the appearance of lack. What do giants do? Giants intimidate. What did Goliath try to do to Israel? Intimidate them. What did Goliath th- try to do to David? Intimidate him. That's how giants operate. Don't let the giant of lack intimidate you because it only appears that there's lack. Listen, our God is our supply and he always supplies our needs and he always will. I wish somebody shout back while I'm preaching. I know there's not a bunch of us here, but our God always supplies our needs, amen? Amen. Have you ever had nothing? Have you ever been hungry? God always comes through. Most of us don't know any of that. We've never experienced lack. Why? Because we're such smart people and hard workers and good with our money? No, because God is faithful to his people. So don't be intimidated by the appearance of lack. Now, here's an uncomfortable thought on the other side of the coin for us to consider. In this season we may lack some comforts and luxuries that we've grown used to. Come oh, come on, pastor. Do you have to go there? Gotta go there. Yep. In this season, we may lack some of our comforts, some of our luxuries. Uh, and look at... Paul says here in Philippians 4, 11 through 12, Paul uh, wrote two thirds of the New Testament, the most amazing apostle that ever lived. He says this in Philippians 4, 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having a Abundance and suffering need. Look what the apostle says. He's saying it's not been a, a easy run for me. It's not always been a bed of roses, but I've learned to be content when when you had everything you wanted? No, I learned to be content even when I lacked some things that I wanted. I've learned to be content even when I didn't have the, the, the niceties and the pleasures and the comforts of life. And I've learned to be content with humble means and I've learned to live in prosperity. Paul had to learn to be content through the things he went through. And, you know, we have to realize God is gonna teach us to learn to be content with things even when we think, you know what, I need this to be happy. It's amazing. Well, you know, it's not on the shelves at the store, right? (laughs) It has, has life in America boiled down to toilet paper and chicken and Lysol. I mean, the people, oh, we got to have this. Why? Oh, I don't want to go without that there. The lack of material comforts is humbling at times. You know, if you've ever been lacking something or you've been stripped of your comforts, it's it's humbling. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor many years ago, taking a team of, you know, I'll just be honest, you know, kind of like pampered, you know, suburban rich kids out into the mission field. And then we get there and the bathroom, they say, oh, oh, there's the bathroom over there. You know, it's not one of these marble double vanities, you know, uh, five people hot. No, it was a corrugated metal shack with a cement block on the ground and the cement block was over a hole and that was your toilet. And I'll never forget seeing the faces on the youth that I brought when they saw their accommodations for the two weeks. Man, I had a good time watching them squirm. You know what the truth is? All of us have gotten a little bit soft and all of us could use to toughen up a little bit. Come on, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But You know, we get spoiled and we get soft. You know, at the end of the week, nobody complained about the bathroom. Nobody complained about the accommodations. We had, you know, our rooms, our mattresses were all wet. There were bugs everywhere. And you know what? Within 10 days, people didn't even care. No, because God was moving. People were getting saved. Lives were getting changed. God was using our gifts. Come on. There's bigger things, more important things. Yeah, there's a humbling that comes from having the lack of our niceties. Yeah, there's a stripping that takes place, but that's a good thing, and I'll tell you why. Because it reminds us once again of the difference between wants and needs. Oh, boy. Well, I want it, so it must be a need, because I need it. I want it so much. You no, know, there's a difference between wants and needs. And sometimes God has to strip us a little bit to show us. It also reminds us of the worthlessness of material excess. Look, oh, I got 10 of these and five of those and three cars and, and, and two houses and a summer home. And I got, you know, all, and, and what does it do for us in a time of crisis? More bills to pay, more mortgages to pay, more, you know, more things to maintain. It shows us, you know, the material excess is just an anchor around our necks. It also reminds us that, you know, these things that we think matter most in life don't matter most in life. It's our relationships. It's our, you know, with the people who love us, with the people who serve us, with the, with our families. That these are the most important things. So there may be some lack in this time, and we may lack a few things. Yeah, God's going to provide our needs, but you know what? Some of our wants, we might go without, and that's okay. That's okay because we've gotten a little soft, and God wants to toughen us up. Uh, Second Timothy two, three, uh, Paul says, suffer hardship with me. uh, Timothy is his son in the Lord. He's speaking to him. He's going to launch Timothy into ministry. And this is what the the apostle Paul says to his, you know, uh, his protege here. He says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Wow. Isn't that a great reminder? We're not in this for a pleasure ride. This isn't a pre- pleasure cruise here. We're in this as soldiers in the army of God. Come on, someone say, Amen. amen. And so there is some hardship. Soldiers endure hardship. We like, we like to not think about that, but you know, uh, we are soldiers in the army of God. So uh, you know, every one of us has to deal uh, with some of these things that uh, Paul dealt with. And in this situation, If you're being stretched, if you have a little bit of lack, if you're running out of certain things you've grown comfortable with, see it as an opportunity for God to stretch you and toughen you up and to show his provision in your life. Amen? Amen. The third giant we're going to face is this. In a prolonged crisis, yes, we're going to face disappointment. Yes, we're going to face lack. But we're also going to face the giant of fear. And this is, you know, I stopped as we read the text today, at the beginning of verse 13, it said, then Elijah said to her, this poor woman who had no bread and was making, you know, a a little bit for her son and her to eat so they could die. He says in verse 13, he says to her, do not fear. Don't be afraid. That's the word of the Lord to her. Now think about that. God sent him there, so she would provide for him. But what does he do? Right away, even when there is no provision, he begins to minister to her. He he sees her situation. He knows that the God he served has spoken to him and led him there, so he has faith, and he says what? You know, don't be afraid. Our fear is a giant. All of us will face fear in the uncertainty of crisis. I don't care how tough you are, how long you've been a Christian. There are certain things that can make anyone afraid. Amen? And so you say, well, I'm not afraid of this. Well, I am. Well, I'm afraid of that. Well, I'm not. See, all of us are afraid of something different. And the, you see that. You, you know, you see these people who work on these skyscrapers and you watch a guy walk on a 12-inch steel I-beam, you know, 300 feet in the air and just walk down it like he's walking down his front deck. And I'm looking at this. I've seen guys hanging from helicopters on a, on a drop wire, maintenancing uh, high-tension power lines working with high voltage. And they look like, you know, that they're they're sitting at their kitchen table drinking coffee. Yet you take that same guy and you put him in front of a couple hundred people and say, it's time for public speaking, and he comes unglued. Why is that? Because we're all afraid of different things. And so the thing is, we don't pretend that we don't ever deal with fear because it's not honest. The thing is, we we look at our fears and we face our fears, and that's what we're going to see here. He knew that she had lack. He knew that she was gonna be the conduit of provision for him. He didn't allow fear to overtake him. He didn't allow disappointment to shake his faith. He didn't allow her lack to make him question God, but instead he ministers to her and he says, do not fear. So I I love his response to her lack. It's a great response. Why? Because it's a faith response. And Elisha shows us exactly how to deal with fear. We don't deny it. We don't pretend it's not there. We don't try and hide it. We acknowledge it and we face it head on. If you're afraid, if you have fear, don't pretend it's not there. Why? Because if you pretend it's not there, the enemy can use it against you and begin to just knock you out of balance and attack your mind. So what do you do? You acknowledge it. It's there. Then you face it in faith. And this is what I want you to understand here. He tells her, do not fear. And there's other places in scripture where it tells us not to fear. And here's what I want you to pick up from that. You and I may not realize this, But we get a vote when it comes to what we're afraid of. You and I get a choice to be afraid or not. Well, you say, how do you know that? Because he says, do not fear. So it was her choice. You can be afraid if you want. You can believe the bad report if you want. You can believe the voice of the enemy if you want. But if we choose to believe the word of the Lord, that we serve Jehovah Jireh, who's our provider, and that he's gonna take care of us, then we can choose not to be afraid. Amen. So you get a vote. You get a choice. And some people choose, well, I want to be afraid. You know, it's my thing. I like it. I I like to get a lot of attention when I'm afraid. I, You know, I can come unglued. I can cry. I can lean on someone else. God wants to make us more mature than that. We can choose not to be afraid. And Elijah tells her, he says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. And she has a vote in the matter. Now, it's important for us to understand That when fear rises up on us and it tries to intimidate us, remember, we're talking about giants. Fear is a giant. What do giants do? They intimidate. And we saw that with David and Goliath. And we understand that giants like to intimidate. Uh, Fear comes and it wants to intimidate us. And here's what I want you to understand. We don't get afraid because, you know, really it boils down to that we're cowards. Well, you know, I I just must be a coward, or I don't have enough faith, or, you know, I just lack courage. That's not why fear comes to us. The reason fear comes is because fear is actually a spiritual attack. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us this, God has not given us a what? A spirit of fear. A spear is a spirit. Uh, there are demonic spirits that come and try and stir the hearts of men to be afraid. Why? So that they'll shrink back from their faith and not believe the word of the Lord. Fear is not because you're a coward. It's not because you're not mentally tough. It's not because you're not spiritually mature enough. Fear comes in the form of a spiritual attack. So if you're being attacked by fear right now in whatever area, don't try and fight it in the flesh. Don't try and outthink it. Don't try and release your intellect at it. Begin to take your spiritual authority in Christ and speak to fear because it's a spirit. In the name of Jesus, I bind fear over my life and over the people of my house. In Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of fear and I release the peace of God into my situation. Come on, this is how we do spiritual warfare church. That's right. So if you're afraid... If you're fearful, if you're shrinking back, take your authority in Christ. It's a spiritual attack, so fight a spiritual battle. Quote the word of the Lord to your fear. What did Jesus do when the enemy tried to tempt him, tried to, every time the enemy tried to trick Jesus or tempt Jesus or, or seduce Jesus with the things of this world, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Begin to use the word of the Lord and speak to your fear. Now, to an unbeliever that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't understand spiritual warfare, that sounds like crazy talk. That's fine. You can call me crazy all you want. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to take authority over fear in Jesus' name. In fact, as we close this message down, I'm going to just pray, and I'm going to bind fear in the lives of everyone within the sound of my voice. Maybe you're disappointed today. Maybe you're really struggling with that. Pastor Things were going so good for me. Financially, I was going so well. You know, my 401k, and, and I've talked about this at times. The things in the world are unstable, and some of us have suffered loss. Well, don't allow disappointment. Listen, the God that you serve can come back and restore to you a hundredfold what has been taken away. Maybe you're just overcome with lack. Man, I just, you know, I just have the basics right now. Look, if you got the basics in Jesus, you're blessed. You got more than enough. Maybe fear is setting in. How long is this gonna go? What's gonna happen with this? What happens when the bills are due? Look, I know know how this stuff comes. Take authority over your fear in Jesus' name and begin to speak the word of the Lord into your situation. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for a message like this. I thank you for uh, what Elijah went through, a mighty servant of God with the word of the Lord in his mouth. Yet he, he dealt with all these situations. He dealt with giants. He, he, he dealt with disappointment. He let it roll off. He dealt with lack. He didn't let it uh, make his faith shrink back. He dealt with fear, and he spoke the word of the Lord. Teach us to do these things. I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice. Father, that a fear has come upon them, if lack is overwhelming them, if disappointment has made them depressed, Father, in Jesus' name, I release peace into their lives right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them the peace of God that passes all understanding and encourage your people in Jesus' name. Maybe you're out there today. And you've never surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says in Romans 10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we'd be saved. Just a simple thing. What do we do? We come to him and say, you know what? I recognize who you are, Jesus. You're the Savior. You died for people's sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you be my Savior? That's how it happens. It's a personal relationship. So I'm gonna pray a prayer and I, I encourage you to pray it with me and I, and I pray that if you're at this place where you, you might know about Jesus, you might have grown up hearing about Jesus, you might have sat in church all your life but you've never given your life to Jesus, ask him to forgive you of your sins and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. That will change your life. You say, what'll happen if I do that? He'll forgive your sins, he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, he'll fill you with his peace and he will be there For you in every situation, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have lack. You don't have to be overwhelmed with disappointment. Jesus is the answer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you a sinner and I recognize I need a savior. So I ask you to be my savior and be my Lord. I repent of my sin. Show me how to live. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this moment forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, I wanna welcome you to the family of God because that's all it takes for us to get through the threshold so that we can have a connection with the Father. Jesus died to connect us to the Father so that we could be saved. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. It doesn't come by works. It's a gift of God. So let's just give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer and if you you have a change in your life, let us know. Uh, get on FGC web and. Uh check out our sermons, check out all that we got out there. Now, I want to thank those of you who've been staying current in the sermons and uh, I see your comments and I, I know that you're being fed and you're being encouraged. I want to thank those of you who stay staying current in your giving. Uh, we are surviving as a church. God is doing great things for Full Gospel Center. Listen, we're going to get through this and your faithfulness is helping us. Uh, if you want to give, you can mail it in or you can go online and click the, the giving tab and you can uh, give online. Just stay faithful. God is going to get us through this. He's going to take care of us. But listen, if you're facing giants today, let this message encourage you. Our God is bigger than any giant and nothing will hold back the church of Jesus Christ. Bless you. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. Let, let's, uh, you know, let us hear from you. Send us a little note. Uh, we're gonna be calling people this week, checking to see if everyone's okay as we move into the prolonged phase here. Uh, so let us know how you're doing, and uh, we love you, and we'll see you again real soon. God bless.